The number one requirement for going to the next level in your life, whether it's making and managing money or, or losing weight, it's always the willingness to be uncomfortable, to do what you think you can't do because success in everything always lies just outside our comfort zone. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another episode of Redefining Wealth. And if you're brand new, here's what you need to know. This is a community that believes that wealth is so much more than just money and material possessions. We believe in the 12th century definition of wealth, which is the condition of well-being. And so every week, we focus on well-being in six pillars, and these are the areas of life that impact our finances, even when we're not thinking about it. If you need to get caught up, and I suggest you do, head to patricewashington.com forward slash start here. Again, the pillars can be broken down for you at patricewashington.com forward slash start here. Before we dive into this week's episode, it's brought to you by our Redefining Wealth private Facebook community. Yes, we have a community of purpose chasers from all over the globe. I don't believe that greatness can be created in isolation. You need people and you need like-hearted, not just like-minded folks around you. So join our free Facebook community at IamAPurposeChaser.com. You'll get to meet purpose chasers who are near you. Yes, in your own country, wherever you are. You can suggest show topics and guests and even get early access to upcoming events and programs. Purpose chasers always know first. So join us at I am a purposechaser.com. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth Podcast with Patrice Washington. In today's episode, I sit down with best-selling author and financial therapist Barbara Houston. She says it's time to rewire for wealth. Hey there, this is Patrice Washington from patricewashington.com, where we chase purpose, not money. Welcome back to another year of Redefining Wealth, our first episode of 2021. We made it. Yes, we made it. It goes without saying 2020 was collectively a difficult year for many of us, but I believe that nothing happens to us. It happens for us. And I'm so excited about the possibilities that lay ahead for this year. And I really want to make sure that you are set up to really leverage, to really leverage what you learned in 2020 so that you can use it to take you to the next level in 2021 and beyond. And so if you're an OG listener, welcome back. You know that we kick off every year with results, not resolutions. It's a way of making sure that you are set up to not just set New Year's resolutions that take all year to achieve and It's something that you're interested in, but not necessarily committed to for many people because they don't know how to truly commit. They don't know how to make it real in their lives, how to make it practical. And this entire month is dedicated to results, not resolutions. I'm going to be sharing insights from my book, Redefine Wealth for Yourself, which drops in March. But I wanted to kick off with someone who has been a trailblazer in this space for me. And her book actually comes out first. It comes out in January, Rewire for Wealth. Barbara Hewson is 
such an amazing woman. And I think when you hear this episode, you will understand why she is so complimentary to the work that we do. But I also wanted to make sure that I kicked off with her episode because many of us need to rewire. We've become comfortable in thoughts, ideas, habits, patterns, mindsets, limiting beliefs that don't serve us for the year that we are saying right now we want. And so while Barbara's book is about quote unquote wealth, right? She talks a lot about finances, of course. I believe that when you learn her framework, it will apply to every pillar of your life. So I wanted to start by paying homage to this amazing woman who's blessed my life and my work. And I wanted to make sure that you had a resource even before my book comes out that can help you start to shift the way you see not just your finances, but your life. Now, if you're not an OG listener, you have no idea what that means and you're brand new to the Redefining Wealth podcast, here's what you need to know. You have stepped into a community that believes that wealth is so much more than just money and material possessions. We believe in the 12th century definition of wealth, which says it's the condition of well-being. And so you are starting out with us at the best time because you're going to hear from Barbara today. And then for the next several weeks, you're going to hear me break down each pillar and some practical steps and tools that you can use to apply it to your life. So welcome. We're so excited to have you. But before we get to that, let me introduce you to our guest of honor. Barbara Houston, previously known as Barbara Stanny, is the leading authority on women, wealth, and power. As a best-selling author, financial therapist, teacher, and wealth coach, Barbara has helped millions take charge of their finances and their lives. Her background in business, her years as a journalist, her master's degree in counseling psychology, her extensive research, and her personal experience with money give her a unique perspective and makes her an expert on empowering women to live up to their financial and personal potential. She's here today to share some insights from her new book, Rewire for Wealth. Without further ado, here's someone I greatly admire, Barbara Hewson. Welcome to the Redefining Wealth Podcast, Barbara. Oh, thank you, Patrice. I'm so glad to be here with you. Okay. There's no way in the world that you're more glad than I am. (laughs) And I never thought I would have an opportunity to say this to you. I never thought I would have another opportunity to meet you. But I met you when I was about 23 years old maybe 16 years ago or so, I was a client for New York Life and you were speaking. You were like speaking at a women and money type event. It was one of those evening type events in Los Angeles, maybe like near Westwood. And I will never forget, I owned a real estate and mortgage brokerage at the time. I started out of college. My now husband, then boyfriend, Uh, was my business partner. And you were talking about this idea of Prince Charming isn't coming. And it was this whole thing about how women have to like take control of their finances. And I was captivated. First of all, you're hilarious. And I just remember just being like, yeah, 
women have to take control of their finances. And in what I was doing, real estate and mortgage broker, I became even more obsessed in particular with educating women. And I think so much of the seeds that were planted oh my were because of the night that I heard you oh. speak. And when I got an email from your PR or team and they were like, you know, you have this book coming out, I was floored. I think I replied in less than six minutes. And I don't even usually reply <laughs> to those type of emails, but I saw it and my mouth dropped. And I was like, absolutely. Yes, please let me interview her. And so when I tell you, my voice is like even quivering. I am so grateful for the path that you paved for women like me to do the work that I do in the world today, because I know that seeing you that night planted a seed and you know how you don't always think about all the experiences you've had on the journey until something kind of triggers it. But I remember reading Prince Charming Isn't Coming. Like I remember having that book around the time my daughter was born. So like 06, 07. Remember this idea that like I would always teach her to like know how to handle her own finances, like in case of divorce, death, demise, my 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 daughter will know, but that has been extended to any woman who is in any level of community with me. And that's because you were brave enough to tell your story. I hadn't even gone through my own financial breakdown at that time. I was on the way to a million dollars at early 20s. I was on my way to a seven-figure business. When I lost everything in the recession, remembering stories like yours were a part of the like, if somebody else did it, I can do it. And I'm just so grateful that I have an opportunity to thank you face-to-face via Zoom, but that I could tell you thank you for the work that you do. Okay. I'm just really choked up. (laughs) I'm just really choked up. I am too. That That is the most profound thing I've ever heard that I affected you like that. Wow. Thank you. And look at you and look at you and look at the work you're doing and look at how you are impacting people and look at the books you're writing. And I played a role in that. Oh my God. That's so freaking cool. It's incredible. Freaking cool. You never know. You yeah. never know. So when we and logged on, Barbara was saying like, oh, I'm so excited to be with you. And I was like, no, (laughs) Um, you have no idea. You are Beyonce to me and like in the area of personal finance. And it's so crazy because that planted a seed, Barbara. And then I know you had a name change and like all these things over the years. And I can't say that I kept up with everything, but I look at what I'm doing And then like, I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh my God. Like the work that you're doing, the the fact that you're a financial therapist, I just got certified as a, in financial psychology a year ago. I had no idea, like all the things you had gone on to do. I just knew 
man, this woman sparked something in me. And, and here we are. So thank you. I needed to hear that. Thank you. I'm at a loss for words, honestly, <laughs> except I just feel grateful because every one of us has probably impacted another like you, but we don't always get to hear. We don't always get to know that we make a difference. So having that opportunity to hear that. Okay, we can stop now. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> oh my well, gosh. It just, it just felt like, oh my gosh, from the moment we got the interview schedule, it's just been in my belly. And I was like, Am I going to tell it like how, but it, I know it just came out like, but it's, it's, it's so, I feel grateful to have an opportunity to give you your flowers, to just say like, man, you made an impact in my life. And now all of the women that I get to serve. And so I'm super excited to just talk about rewire for wealth, but I would love for the audience to hear, I think some of the story that I heard way back then about how you even became so passionate about financial education in particular for women. You know, I had a line, my first book, Prince Charming Isn't Coming, that you read, that my editor took out because she thought it was corny. And the line was, in our deepest pain lies our highest purpose. And it was, and I, I, I do believe it, and I don't think it's corny, so I did put it in another book. But I, I really believe money caused me an incredible amount of pain. Well, actually, for about 40 years. For the first part of my life, money was great. I, I was raised in a wealthy family. My father was the R of H&R Block. And the only advice he ever gave me about money was don't worry. And I thought, oh, that's a great advice. <laughs> I didn't understand money. I just wanted to spend it. And it was plentiful. And, and I married a man who was uh, a stockbroker. So he was perfect. So he managed the money. And I found out very early in our marriage that he was a compulsive gambler. And yet I let him continue to manage the money for the next 15 years, because that's how terrified and intimidated I was by anything financial. And finally, after our divorce, after 15 years, I decided money is just not my thing. I do not want to deal with money. Well, if you don't deal with your money, <laughs> you. you know, Patrice, your money will deal with you. <laughs> And in the next year, I got tax bills for over a million dollars, way over a million dollars that my, for back taxes, my ex didn't pay for illegal deals he got us in. My ex had left the country. I was left holding the bag. I did not have anywhere close to a million dollars, nowhere close. And my father would not lend me the money. And that's when I knew, that's when I knew I had to get smart. I, and I started reading books and going to classes and my brain would fog up and my eyes would glaze over. I figured I'm just terminally stupid, but I had three daughters. One was just a baby. I was not going to raise those girls in the street. I wasn't even talking to my parents then. I knew I had to get smart. I, I didn't know how. I didn't know what. But I really believe when you make a commitment, like a down to your toes, no back door, the universe revolves to help you reach your goal. And I was a... I was a journalist for the San Francisco Times. 
And I got hired for a writing project to interview, a freelance project to interview women who were smart with money. And those interviews changed, not only changed my life <laughs> and got, I got smart about money, but I wrote my first book, Prince Charming Isn't Coming. And suddenly I had this whole new career traveling all over the country doing financial education for women and I couldn't make money and no matter how hard I worked. So I thought, okay, I learned how to get smart by interviewing women. So I said, I'm going to write another book and interview women who, are, who make a lot of money. And I started making over six figures before I even finished writing that book, Secrets of Six-Figure Women. And now, six books later, seven books later, here I am. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. You really hit on something that I try to express in my work as well, that clearly there's something else going on under the surface if you have access now to the information, but you're still struggling to earn more. What, what from your findings did you come up with? Like what was holding you back from actually having what you could clearly see? Having, you mean earning more? Earning, or earning more. There were a lot of things, but I think the, mo- the main thing, the thing that just shifted, just shifted me, these women, I interviewed 154 women who made anywhere from six to seven figures. And these women were very confident, very confident, which I expected. But as we get deeper into the interviews, I saw how every single one struggled with fear, struggled with self-doubt, how 95% were afraid they were fraud, felt like a fraud, and were afraid people were going to find out. And I thought, oh my God, that's just like me. But the difference between, yeah, you get it. But the difference between them and me is they didn't let the fear or the self-doubt or feeling like a fraud stop them. And that to me, that, that changed everything. And so, and I realized that the number one requirement for going to the next level in your life, whether it's making and managing money or, or losing weight, it's always the willingness to be uncomfortable, to do what you think you can't do because success in everything always lies just outside our comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. People ask me all the time how I'm so fearless. And I'm like, who? <laughs> who would you be referring to? Because I don't feel fearless. I just I feel the fear and I just keep pushing forward. Exactly. I think in the world of work, there is no such thing as fearless, at least for women. And I only work with women. So m- maybe men get scared too. And, and But I, I know it is not about, <laughs> yes. And, and like you, every, they look so, everyone looks so confident. But that, that is the secret. It's what I call the stretch, going from what feels comfortable to what seems impossible. Mm. I love my favorite, and I love quotes, but my favorite quote is by Joseph Campbell. He said, the cave you, you fear to enter is where your treasure lies. Mm. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. So like you, I only work with women. <laughs> like I love working um, with women actually. And in the book, you talk about basically that men and women are just kind of wired differently, right? For how to deal with some, with, with these financial conversations. 
men and women. So this is the new book, Rewire for Wealth, mm-hmm. you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So I always knew men and women view money differently. But what I didn't realize until I started studying neuroscience is that men and women see wealth building and investing very differently. For men, investing is a challenge. It's exciting. It's adrenaline producing. You know, it's cool. Women view investing in the markets as a threat. And so our brains were wired from the beginning of time, millions of years ago for one purpose, and that is to keep us safe. And anything we feel is a threat, we will go into fight, flight, or freeze and avoid. Mm -hmm. And so I thought this is the key, adding neuroscience to my work with personal finance, in addition to psychology and spirituality. And I put those together. And I said, if you can teach women, if I can teach myself to rewire (laughs) my brain for wealth and well-being, it will expedite the learning curve and it will really reduce the resistance exponentially. And And it's true. I mean, not that it's not hard, but the framework that you have is simple. It's simple, but it's extremely challenging in the beginning because our brain does not want to change. (laughs) Our brain, our brain, it has learned since we were born how to keep us safe. And those ways to keep us safe has been dug into our brain and those neural pathways. It's like going against a hardwired neural pathway is going against gravity. It's just really tough. But when you understand how the mind and the brain work together, it it just made sense to me. So the brain is a physical organ in our body. And it, it controls everything we do. Everything. Inhaling, exhaling, spending, saving. It's controlled by our brain. The mind is a non-physical entity, a source of thoughts and feelings. And what flows through the mind wires the brain. So it's our thoughts and feelings continuously going in and digging like little, they're like little shovels that dig these neural pathways that control our behavior. And so what I learned is trying to go against those neural pathways, just, you know, powering through is, it's really a struggle. But if you could train your mind to rewire your brain, it doesn't need to take that long. It just, you just need to be very vigilant in the beginning. This is so good. So I know, you know, we think about verbal influences that have kind of come from childhood, maybe whoever raised you, people who had influence over you and how words are so powerful and those things kind of get ingrained in our thoughts. So when I hear people say, well, it takes money to make money for example. So I get that a lot with women in my programs. Well, I didn't, you know, I can't because it takes money to make money. And this is a thought that now is like ingrained. Anything you say about like, you can do this. This is how you can use that purpose that came from pain and go out into the world and now use that as a way to empower others. For example, basically what we've done, sharing our story, getting the education so we can go out and give it out in the world. And I have people say, well, that's easy for you to say, but it takes money to make money. I'm like, no, I had to do the exact same thing. 
you know, where do you begin when that has been to your point? So ingrained, not just in your own thoughts, but you heard it over and over and over again. So you've now accepted it as like fact. Yes, exactly. My whole life was men, only men make and manage money. Women do not make and manage money. So I was in my mid 40s, still fighting that, still fighting that. And I'll never forget. I'll, I'll never forget. So here am I. I'm divorced. I have these three daughters. I'm not talking to my parents. I'm terrified. I don't know how much money I have or where it is. And I go to a therapist and I say, Daniel, I really want to get smart about money. I really do. Help me. I got it. And he looks me in the eye, straight in the eye. And he says, no, you don't. And it's like, I couldn't argue. It's like the wind went out of my defenses. And him saying, no, you don't. I got in touch with a part of me that actually believed that I, being a woman, if I tried to manage money, I'd lose it all. Better let my husband do it. And, and I was afraid. I got in touch with a part of me that was afraid that a man wouldn't love me if I was financially successful. This is how I was raised. So it's really important to understand those early messages, to get them up, because until you get them up, they're down there running your show and there's nothing you can do. So when somebody says it takes money to make money, that's good. Oh, good. That's a belief. That's all it is, is a belief. And all beliefs are arbitrary decisions come from arbitrary messages that have been repeated over and over again until they become embedded in our brain. And, and when our brain has a belief, it will never, it won't even see anything. Yeah. It doesn't confirm that belief. So the key is to help them, to help me, to help you, to help everyone change that belief. And that's where, that's where it took me six years, but I came up with this kind of with three steps. Yeah. Those beliefs. And we all have them. We all have them. Yes. And this is like a constant process, right? Like, do you still find that, you know, those limiting beliefs come up, something comes up and you have to go, okay, where is this coming from? And do the, do the work for yourself. Keep digging deeper. I just had to do it. I just had to do it about a couple months ago. My, my team came up with a project. It was a great project. It was a wonderful project. It was, and I got terrified. Because I'd never done a project like this before. I didn't think I could do it. I kept having the, these, this thing in my head said, you don't have what it takes. You don't have what it takes. So I told them no. And then I thought, wait a minute. <laughs> you got to rewire this. That's all this is. You just got to rewire this. You don't have what it takes business. So I did. So yeah, I'm still rewiring. And I Every can, day. Every day. So I can tell you how I what I did in that particular, in, I, I can give you the three steps. Yeah. To rewire, to tra- it's to train your mind to rewire your brain for wealth, well-being, and really, really whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So the three steps are recognize, reframe, and respond differently. So recognize means you just notice the negative thought. You start Becoming aware of the negative thoughts in your head. Like mine was, I don't have what it takes. 
So you recognize it, but you recognize it not with judgment, not with uh, uh, criticism, but with curiosity. Oh, isn't that interesting? I'm having a thought. Not I don't have what it takes, but I am having a thought about I don't have what it takes. Or I'm having a thought that you need money to make money. Or I'm having a thought that that there, there's never enough. So you notice it with curiosity. And as you notice it, isn't that interesting? You separate yourself from the thought. So that's an important uh, psychological activity. You separate from the thought. And then the second thing you do is you reframe it. Oh, isn't that interesting? I'm having a thought that I don't have what it takes. How can I see this differently? How can I see this differently? And for me, I, I kind of played around with some words and I thought, I can handle this. Did I believe I could handle this new project? No, no, I did not believe it. But you said it, Patricia, you said the, our words are so powerful and the words you repeat over and over will eventually become the truth. Just like those old words, you need money to make money and it, it, making money is a man's job. Those old world words became truth. Now you'll have a new truth. And so you reframe, I reframe like I can handle this. And then you respond differently. There was not a one inch of me that wanted to write the script for this, that were wanted to write the emails. And so I made myself do it. I responded differently. Mm. And you respond differently by doing things you don't want to do. It don't feel normal. Don't feel like you. And you keep responding differently over and over. And you keep reframing. And you keep recognizing. And eventually, those scripts became easier to write. And the emails became easier to write. And the project turned out great. Yeah. Wow. And I always think of the people that don't get served when I play that game, just going back to the beginning of this conversation, the impact that you made on me because you were out speaking and, and doing your thing and you were out with your book and the seed that that planted. But if that thought process was going on back then where you were like, I don't have what it takes. Who am I to write a book? Absolutely not. And you didn't even, even if you didn't call it what you call it today, but your ability to probably, because I'm sure you had doubt at that time. Doubt. <laughs> every book, every book I always write. Can I swear? Every book I always write. My This voice in my head said, you write like, and no one's going to read it. I have never written anything, including my little newsletters. It, it always tells me that. And I just say, okay, thank you for sharing. <laughs> but, there's, but there's one person out there who needs to read that. That's what I always tell that voice. There's one person out there who needs to read that. So I'm writing for this one person. Okay. So for Purpose Chasers listening, you know what that sounds like, right? The reason I kept writing was because of one person that reached out to me and said, hey, you haven't been on your blog. This was my first free blogspot.com. And I was giving up because my husband and my mom weren't reading. And I was like, if those two aren't reading, what am I doing? No, like no one's listening. And if this was on the heels of losing everything and being at the point of literally scraping up change, but I felt like this is what I've been called to do. And I lost my money, but my mind isn't bad. So what can I still share? This is during the last recession. This was 2009. And this man reaches out to me. He says, hey, was enjoying your blog. I hope you're okay. You haven't posted because I wasn't writing weekly anymore. And I made a decision when I realized that somebody was reading that I will always show up 
for audience of one because the audience of one is still an audience. And just you saying that, I'm like, okay, they're chocolate and vanilla. This is the same person right here. <laughs> like you and I are so wow. similar with that. It and just gave me chills. It just, it, it's the reminder though, like this is important to your point, not just for your finances alone, but I really believe that your purpose requires it. Like what you're called to do in the world requires you to recognize, reframe and respond differently because there are people on the other side somehow, whether it's your children, you know, peers, I don't, there's always, it's always greater than just this conversation that we're having with ourselves, this back and forth, the little angel on one shoulder, devil on another, I'm going to do it. No, you're not, you're, you're not qualified or, okay, I want to do this. No, you're not that back and forth. When we get this down, what's possible on the other side, just for communities, for people, for the sake of service? I had a teacher and he said, I wanted to quit. I just, I just wanted to give up this money stuff. It was too hard for me. I just can't under, didn't understand it. Just, and I had a teacher said, if you can't do it for you, do it for someone you love more than you. And and I had three daughters, and I swear, if it wasn't for them, I never would have gotten here. But I think it's really important for really getting our act, financial act together. It's really important to be motivated, to have a reason for doing it. And that's why when you talk about purpose-driven, I found the, the most successful women I interviewed were, were definitely wanted to make a profit, no question, but they were purpose-driven. Mm-hmm. More than profit driven. And I think, um, <laughs> but I love what Michael Beckwith, the, the preacher from mm-hmm. Agape, I love what he says. You can't be the light of the world if you can't pay your light bills. Come on, somebody. And, and I, I don't want to help women just pay their light bills. Yeah. I'm like you. I want to help women be the light of the world. But you can't possibly pursue your purpose and play full out if you're drowning in dread and struggling to make ends meet. So true. So true. So this is why I now do Redefining Wealth. Like that's how all this came about. My first brand was called Real Money Answers. And what what really fascinated me about the idea of financial psychology was just really this thought that people felt like, oh, well, show me show me a magical budget that fits my personality and style. Like maybe it's the wrong budgeting app or maybe it's because I don't know who the three credit bureaus are. Can you teach me these very basic things that quite frankly, we can Google, right? But when we got down to the heart of what was going on, it was never just about money. It was always about the beliefs underneath the surface. It never had anything to just do with the paper. You know you know what I believe? It's, it's never about money. I believe that women's difficulties with money, making it and managing it, has very little to do with money per se. And it has everything to do with our fear of or ambivalence about power. (sighs) Because we don't understand power from a feminine perspective. And my definition of a powerful woman is someone who knows who she is, who knows what she wants, and expresses that in the world unapologetically. A powerful woman is someone who knows who she is, who knows who she wants, expresses that in the world unapologetically. And essentially, being powerful means becoming all of who we're meant to be and saying no to what doesn't 
work for us instead of watering ourselves down so we don't make waves. Oh. And, and that's really what I'm focused on. It's helping. It's not the money. It's who you have to become in order to be a container that can attract and sustain and grow the wealth. Yes. Oh, I love it. Okay. I'm at a Beyonce concert. I am pumped. Like you are, <laughs> you are speaking my language. Oh my goodness. Oh, I believe that so much. One of the things that I said at our in our episode at the end of the year for 2020 was this is not just about what you want in 2021. This is about who you have to become in order to be a container for that. 100%. See, you and I are on the same wavelength, but <laughs> no. <laughs> we were on the same wavelength. Who you have to become. And but I find that's the the hard work, like the hard work having to recognize and give yourself permission to to dig up a lot of these roots, these roots that haven't supported you for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years is the hard work. And so what people tend to do is want to run to the busy work. And then they get burnt out in the busy because there's no depth to even the why they're doing it. And so they're saying, oh, 2021, oh, it's going to be my year. But it's going to be the year that I save the most money or I start the business or I pay off the debt. But then besides saying it, there's no other work really going on to make sure that you're becoming someone who can sustain that or achieve that. Right, right. Because it's not, it's not enough just to power through. I, I, you know, I really believe that the imposter syndrome came because women powered through to achieve their success, but they didn't rewire, they didn't train their mind to rewire their brain. So while they powered through and became very successful, they didn't rewire their self-image. So they still felt inferior, inadequate, or incomplete in some way. I'm holding my breath. That was so good. <laughs> we just we recently did an episode two on imposter syndrome. This is so good because a lot of the women that I serve, very accomplished, Barbara, in terms of they have the degrees, they have certifications, or they have the work experience, they have the education, they've already supported people. And then we start to talk about earning more scaling that up a bit. And it's like, oh, oh no, I, I still need to get three more degrees in that area before I can, you know, make a post on Instagram. I'm like, what? Like, right. But it's, it's that like, we've been able to power through. I love that. I know in my own case, I was addicted to achievement, not for the right reasons. I'm well, very, well, what were you addicted to achievement for? I was addicted to achievement because I connected that to being lovable or worthy of love from my, from my father in particular. And saying I got all A's was how I got attention or applause. And, you know, other than that, I, I knew very early, I knew in, I'm pretty sure uh, elementary school, that showing the certificate, I won the spelling bee, I did the thing. And so when I look back over my life, 
up until college or right after college, it was a constant striving for more and better and greater. And I did the thing and the applause started to come not just from my dad, but from other people. And I I grew up feeling really ugly and like the ugly duckling. And so I never considered myself to be the cute girl or the, the lovable, you know, like I just didn't consider that, but I knew I was smart. And if I could just power through being smart, her and everything, this is how I would get love. And it wasn't until years of therapy from the time I was 22. I mean, I'm still in therapy. I'm always in therapy, but 22. So like, I think I was about, honestly, maybe 32, maybe 33. This iteration of my life, I, I felt like I was introduced to my purpose through that very painful season. And it became that my why for what I was doing was so much more important than my whether my dad understood. And I was like, I I see the work that I'm doing. I love to to hear and see women having aha moments and under, like understanding what I'm saying. And my dad's, well, you should have gone back to law school is a non-factor. Like, I don't even care. So I stopped trying to like, dad, I'm on the, this show. Dad, I'm on that show. Dad, I did this thing. It all, when I really got clear about like, what, like this is what I'm called to do. And that the void, it, it started to fill with fulfillment. Like, girl, you are doing what your purpose to do. It, 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 it since that time, and I'm almost 40, it hasn't been about his validation. You got in touch with you, you took your power back, is what you did. You took your power back from his or external approval. And you, the way you take your power back is always by answering one question. And the question is, what do I want? That one question. If you can answer that, and sometimes it takes a lot of time to figure it out. You know where you're giving your power away is when you're not happy. Whenever you're not happy, somewhere you're giving your power away. And that's a time to ask, what do I want? Not what does my dad want? Or what does my husband want? Or what do my kids want? Or what does society want? But what do I want? And so that was a beautiful thing you did. Beautiful thing. And it doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. It's a process. It's a process. Getting to the root of that and just how I grew up and different things I experienced. I mean, it was literally like 10 years before I could get to that. And I don't think there's a coincidence that that's also around the time that I just got more and more clarity about my calling. And the clarity came in the doing. So I was still being active, but someone just interviewed me yesterday and she's like, I remember you from... 10 years ago, it feels like you just don't even care <laughs> like what people think anymore. And I'm like, I think there's a part of us that that cares, but I don't justify or qualify everything I do based on what someone may think. It sounds like you have your inner guidance is informing your decisions, not external validation as much. We all want we all, every every successful woman I have ever interviewed or ever worked with has always said some form of there's a, just a little girl inside me that wants to be loved. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that really has helped me in the world of work is that is when I learn from successful women 
that there is always a part of us that wants love, attention, and approval. But in the world of work, I'd rather be respected than liked. And I think that's 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 so important that, that we have our little love nest. We have the people who love us and we can break down and be those little girls. But in the world of work, I'd rather be liked. I'd rather be respected than liked. Oh, that's that, so that, good. That, that, that was a, yeah, I, I really think that this whole money thing, you know, getting our financial act together is really not just a practical process, but it's a healing journey. It's a spiritual practice. Yes. And, yes. and I, I think there's what I described as four components of financial success. If you're not, if you're not achieving the financial success that you want, there's four components in the first, there, there's the outer work, the inner work, the higher work, and the deeper work of wealth. And the outer work is, you know, knowing the difference between a stock and a bond or how to budget and, you know, how to spend less and save more and do your retirement plan. All that's important you know, negotiate a raise. But when you get stuck, that's when it's important to do the inner work, mm-hmm. really diving in deep to look at what are your attitudes and beliefs and early decisions you've made about yourself and money. And then there is the higher work, which we talked about, which is the spiritual. And that is we are all put on this planet for a purpose. And, and, you know, it, as Mother Teresa said, it takes a checkbook to change the world. And, and money is part of that. And so when we can get into our purpose and why we're here, that's what motivates us. It's not more money. Once, money, once women, we have a roof over our head and food on the table. And we're not motivated by money. We, we, we want to make it. But what motivates us is the opportunity to help others to make a difference in our community. The fourth aspect is what I call the deeper, which is the mind-body connection. And that is really being vigilant about what flows through the mind and wires the brain. I just want to say I love you after like everything that you say. <laughs> I'm trying to hold it in. But, um, but you make such a good point. I was having a conversation with my husband just this week. And my word for the year is contentment. And that has really been heavy in my spirit because, you know, we're in a space where there's always more and more that you can do, right? There's like all the tactics. There's all the things. Every day, there's a new social media platform and there's this thing you got to go do and this thing you have to try. And I'm in this space where, you know, I've been a part of masterminds and all these groups. And it's like, don't you want a $10 million launch? And I'm like, I want to work really deeply with a smaller group of women. And unless they're going to all pay a million dollars, probably not. And it's like, well, what's wrong with like, are you, are you playing small? What are you afraid of? And I'm like, I like, I like the work that I do. Is it okay to just like the work that I do? Because to your point, I'm not motivated. I'm not moving. Right. Like I'm not going to go buy uh, the the bigger, badder house down the street. I, I'm not looking to buy any car in particular. I don't have any bills like and I'm OK doing the work that I do with the women that I serve. And that literally to me is an embodiment of chase purpose, not money. But I found that I would when I would get in these groups, Barbara, that I would go, am I playing small? Like, am I not clear? Am I like, am I not honoring my gift? 
But I also realized here we call it, we call it the six pillars of wealth. I don't just define wealth by money. Wealth to me is being able to go up stairs from my home office down in the basement at a certain time and watch TikTok videos with my daughter until she can't show me anymore, right? Like that's her thing right now. Or cuddling up with my husband and watching a movie or doing like just doing all these these other things that also matter very deeply to me. And they're not connected to you need to work more or go harder or have the thousand person launch in your program or do these things. It literally just doesn't appeal to me. But I would say for 2020, I just felt in conflict with just again, that idea like, am I not wanting enough? But then again, I know what I want and I'm happy with it. You know, I think you just described a struggle that a lot of people are having and not giving voice to. And that is, what is enough for me? When am I doing God's work? And when am I being ego-driven? And, and really being able to discern what is right for me. And, and there's no one right answer, but I can totally relate to you. And I know so many can. That it's really important. Power is truth. When you really understand what's true for you, you are in your power. And you'll know when you're not is when you get unhappy. It's so simple. It really is. When you're unhappy, you are, you have, you're not in your power. You have somehow got straight off the path of what's true and right for you. So I want to, I want to uh, support you, Patrice, in, in following the path you're following. And at any moment when that path changes, you will be the first to know. So don't let anybody say, wait, you're playing small. If you feel content, if you feel filled, you're not playing small. Now, if you're, if you're on this path and you can't pay your bills and you're stressed and you're fighting with your husband and you don't know if you can pay your mortgage, that's another story. Right. That's a different story. But when you can meet your needs, I wrote a book on under-earning and an under-earner is anyone who needs or desires more money, but can't seem to get it no matter what she does. Now you can be, make six figures and be an under-earner. And you can make far less and not be. My, I have three daughters. One, one's a stay-at-home mom. Thank God she can be a stay-at-home mom. One's a farmer and one's a journalist and they have a movie theater. Neither one make a lot of money, but they're doing what they love because it feeds their soul and they have enough money to meet their needs. Under earning is never feed your soul. It never it never satisfies your needs. It's always a condition of deprivation and not just of time, of money, but of time and of joy, of choices, and most of all, self-esteem. So it's really important to understand that, that not making a million dollars, not even making six figures, it doesn't make you an under-earner. Not if you're doing what you need to be doing. So that was my way of saying, you go, girl. <laughs> Don't let anyone tell you otherwise until... Till the divine says, nope, change baths. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're such confirmation for me. Barbara, I just want to talk to you all day. I want to talk to you all day. But I am so excited to introduce the audience to Rewire for Wealth. To you, to your work, to Rewire for Wealth. I actually am on your email list. I need everyone who's listening to sign up for your email list because you break down so many nuggets just in the the value that you give, the value that you give even to the email list and the newsletters, these thoughts. Buy the book, Rewire for Wealth. Also sign up for the email list because you do deep work in this area, right? I do. I do. How are you doing that in the days of COVID? What's that look like? No different than before COVID. Well, come on, girl. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I mean, I, I wait. I, I think maybe I missed that. Maybe my, my brain shut down. How am I doing the deep work in times of COVID? Like you were doing in-person retreats. Are you still doing in-person no. retreats in 2021? So it's a, is no. it a virtual mastermind now? Well, right now I, I am going to do. Yeah. Right now I have an online community. Oh, cool. It's, this was years in the making. It's a dream come true where it's called the wealth connection and we do group coaching and we bring on experts and, but it's really about women coming together to talk about money as women, (laughs) as women, honestly, and openly. And so I have that, and I'm going to start a rewire mentorship program, which I I've been doing for a long time and I'd stopped to write the book. I'll do that next year. But uh, also on my website, barbara-houston.com, you can get a free ebook that, that outlines the rewire process. It talks all about the rewire process and the three steps. So I want you guys to get the free ebook, but I want you to buy the book, Rewire for Wealth. You need to support and look at all of these different interventions and ways that you can catch yourself when these thoughts come up in the process for how you recognize, reframe, and respond differently. This is not just about finances. This process is going to serve you in every area of your life. So every pillar in the six pillars that we talk about, it's the same thing. So I, they can get the free ebook, but Barbara, around here, we have to support and buy, and buy the book as well. So Rewire for Wealth is on sale now. You guys get the book. It will be such a blessing, such a blessing to you. And I love that you have a community and I really feel if you could tell that Barbara and I are so much in alignment, you guys know that even our free Facebook group is such a safe space for us to talk. And we talk very much about purpose. I'm at a stage where I feel very connected to help push people's purpose out, right? But for the the money conversations, the things that you're afraid to even say in the Redefining Wealth group, you need to look into what Barbara has to offer. You need to go to the site, barbara-husson, H-U-S-O-N.com and look into what you need. Because I think that we're just so complimentary and I want them to experience. I want them to experience someone who just shares the same heart. We're definitely just so much in alignment. And I don't think that it's by accident that my financial advisor that I had a financial advisor, first of all, at 22, (laughs) 23 years old, said, you need to be at this event. And I fought traffic from Manhattan Beach, California, to I believe Westwood, West LA area, to be in that room and to have that seed planted, I think for such a time as this. 
So you guys know my heart. That's Barbara's heart. Like that's what I felt. I don't know, 17 years ago or something crazy. I don't know how long ago that was now, but um, man, thank you. Thank you. I want them to experience you for themselves. I'm like closing down. I haven't asked you our rapid wisdom questions. <laughs> like I'm just, so we have a couple redefining wealth, rapid wisdom questions at the end of every episode where you just tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Oh, Lordy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's the first one. How do you define success? Success is when doors open easily. That's my definition of success. You guys, I, I like just that. spun around in my chair. Oh. Yes. Oh my gosh. We talk about that in the people pillar. Like, yes, I love that answer. Thank you. How do you define wealth in three words or less? More than enough. It's wealth, more than enough. And you know it. I'm going to add three more words and you know it. Because people have more than enough and they just don't get it. And they just don't appreciate it. And they feel so insecure. Wealth to me is when you have more than enough and you know it. <sighs> So good. Okay. What's one book that has helped you redefine wealth? The The Richest Man in Babylon. Can you just share why? Yeah, because he talks about, have you read that book? Yeah. Yes. He talks about for every 10 coins you put in your purse, take out one and put it in savings. And that's, that's basically, it's so, it's so simple, the basics of creating wealth. There's a whole industry that so complicates it, but it's so basic. And that, that lifted the veils for me and thought, wait a minute, this isn't that hard. <laughs> so richest man in Babylon. Love it. And the last one is a fill in the blank. My name is, and to me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Barbara Houston. And the truth about wealth is it's so fun to have wealth. It's really fun. <laughs> I, I've, I've been poor and I've been wealthy and tell you wealthy is a lot better. Oh my. Yes, indeed. Same here. Same here. <laughs> Barbara, thank you so much. This was so good. I, I want to say it's a dream come true, but I just never thought I would have an opportunity to have a conversation like this with you. So Thank you for sharing your work, sharing your story, your testimony, your heart, your, your edge. Like, just thank you for the work that you do. There's so many of us out here that, you know, we're here because of the example that you set. You, you made it. You made it a thing like that we could be here. And so thank you for being a part of the, the trailblazers so that I would see women in this space and know that it was possible for me. Thank you for just making me feel so good. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it. Wasn't that so good? I know. I know. It was a love fest. Oh my gosh. It was a love fest before. It was a love fest after the episode. Man, what a blessing and an honor to get to give someone you really admire their flowers while they're here. Um, I'm still getting choked up just re-listening to the episode it was really such a blessing. And I really felt in my spirit that no matter what pillar you may be struggling with, whether it be the fit pillar, the people, space, faith, money, work, any of those pillars, 
If you do not understand this framework that Barbara has laid out, it's going to be very difficult to keep growing to your next because we all deal with, in all of these pillars, limiting beliefs, ideas, thoughts, doubt that was planted there by people who may have really loved us or meant well, but didn't know better. We have behaviors. We have rituals. There's a lot of things that we're doing that don't serve us. And until we can recognize them, reframe them, and respond differently, then nothing is going to change. I don't care about the new year, new me slogans. The truth is new year, same you. Nothing happened when we turned over to January 1st, 2021, except for clocks changed and calendars changed. But unless you do the work to change your beliefs, your words, the way you process events, nothing is going to change. And I want so much for you to have what it is you say you desire. I want so much for you to experience the wealth that both Barbara and I talk about, right? But it's not going to happen until we do something different. So pick up your copy of Rewire for Wealth. I know it's going to bless you. And then look forward to the next several weeks. So results, not resolutions. It's going to look a little different than years past. Everything is not going to be an interview. I'm actually doing solo episodes. I'm going to really share chunks of the book because I want you to have also practical steps that you can take to respond differently, honestly, to start to see things for what they are um, and then respond differently. So get ready. Next week is all about the truth about wealth. And then we'll start breaking down these pillars. We have thousands and thousands of new listeners who still are a little fuzzy about the pillars for redefining wealth. And so we're going to clear that up. It'll be a review for some brand new to many, um, but we're going to get results this year. No more hoping, praying, wishing. We're actually going to deal with truth, right? And deal with actual action steps. So I hope this episode blessed you. Make sure you meet us in our Redefining Wealth Facebook community, totally free. It's such a, a positive space if you really want to take these pillars to the next level and do it with purpose chasers from all over the world. So come find us, the free Redefining Wealth Facebook group. So, so good. Um, you can also find it at IamAPurposeChaser.com. And I think that's it. I just want to keep talking, but I'm going to stop. I'm going to save all my talking for the episodes to come. So until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money. Talk to you later.